Hi, welcome to Tamiwa OUN Podcast. Thanks for downloading, and as you listen, you are guaranteed an encounter with the word. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 34 to 37. Luke chapter 1, 34 to 37. Luke chapter 1, verse 34 to 37. How would this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? 35. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, another translation says your auntie, Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. What does it mean? That she's already six months pregnant of John the Baptist. Verse 37. For nothing is what? Let's say it out loud. For nothing is what? For nothing is what? Look at your neighbor and say, nothing is impossible with God. John chapter 6, verse 25 to 35. John chapter 6, verse 25 to 35. John chapter 6, from verse 25 to 35. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, Rabbi means teacher. When did you get here? That tells you that they were together at some point, but all of a sudden, they lost track of him. And they were asking him, Rabbi, teacher, what are you doing here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You ate the loaves and had your fill. The next verse, it says, do not walk for food that spoils. I remember teaching about that some months ago. Do not walk for food that spoils. So that tells you that before Jesus secluded himself, there was this point in their meeting, whereas the disciples were more concerned about the earthly materials, the earthly accolades. Or let me say the gifts that came about the administration. Just like, for example, we have in church today. Church gets filled up once you know that there's going to be food after service. Or once you tell people that, oh, we're literally coming for Bible study just to have a study of God's word. Probably just few people are interested. Forgetting that Christ does not want you to work for food that spoils, but he wants you to work for food that endures for eternal life. There is an information that you get in the spirit that takes you 20 years before your time. Listen to me closely. There are informations. Sometimes those information come as prophecy. So prophecy in literal terms is a direction. Once there is a prophetic word that is spoken about your life, you begin to walk in accordance I've heard a great man of God say that prophecy is a GPS. It helps you to navigate your life. 
just in case you see your life going down. Once you remember that prophetic word that has been spoken about you, something jacks you back up. It's just like somebody who, say, who they've spoken about that you're going to be great. And you just see that things are going down. You keep running with that spoken word. So he says, do not work for food that spoils. But for food that endures to eternal life. That man cannot give, but the son of man will give to you. For on him, God, the father, has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, must, what must we do? What is the works that is required to get this food that endures to eternal life? Then Jesus answered, the work of God is this, is to believe the one he has sent. Is to believe the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What sign? What are the things that we should look out for? What are the things that we should set our priorities on that will help us, that would help us to forge our hair? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. If you remember the story of the Israelites, despite the manna, they still doubted the power of God. So miracles is not enough for you to believe God. It takes an encounter. Because a miracle is just for a moment. An encounter lasts you for a lifetime. That's why you hear me sometimes saying in this house, that it's only babies that crave for miracles. God, I want money in my account. He gives it to you. Then what happens when the economy comes down? You find yourself on the mountain praying for more money. Oh, Father, I have a broken leg. Heal this broken leg. Let me tell you what scares most Christians. Is that when they are going through certain challenges and they know the effort they put before that challenge got to an end. Once there is a bigger challenge, they are scared. Why? Because they know that it took them 14 days for a broken leg to heal. Now, every part of their body organs is not working. He assumes he's dead. Because 14 days was a lot of struggle to get your broken leg to come back to order. Now your kidney is out. Now your liver is out. Something just tells you it's over. And studies of the scriptures have shown us that what it takes to have engagement with God, what it takes for an encounter, is your effort towards spiritual growth. So moving from the point of being a baby to moving to the point of being a man. So he says, our ancestors ate manners in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. But it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. So what Moses gave to them was just something to sustain them for the journey in the wilderness. What happens after the wilderness? So I can give you a prayer point in the wilderness stage of your life. What happens when you come out of the wilderness? 
For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then the disciples said, then you should be giving us bread every day. Look at it. It says, Sad they said, from now give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be tested. Somebody say bread. Somebody say bread. Somebody say bread. Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. You come to me, you are never hungry. Come into me. Tabernacle with me. Engage with me. Come in connection. Come in relationship with me. And you will never. That's the emphasis. You will never go hungry. Permit me this Sunday morning to bring to your consciousness that we have two kinds of meals. One is intentionally designed for life. It's designed to give you eternal life. And the other one seems to portray life, but it leads to death. Two kinds of meal. Or let's literally say two kinds of bread. If I have bakers in the house, we have bread. We have a, uh, is it leavened bread and unleavened bread. Two kinds of bread. So there is one that leads to eternal life. And there is another one that appears to be like life. But it leads to death. So technically in this life, we are presented with the bread of life and the stone of death. Just in case you're taking note. We are presented with what? The bread of life and what? The stone of death. Sometimes the stone of death looks like that it has a little bit of life in it. But the truth of the matter is that it always leads to death. How do I know? The devil said, Lucifer said to Jesus, he said, how come you're this hungry? We both know that you have power. So this is what you're going to do. Turn this stone to bread. Turn this stone to bread. So at that point he's saying, let me give you something that can just sustain you for this fasting period. Forgetting that Jesus was still going to the cross. Follow me closely this morning. Because if you had turned that stone to bread, he would not be able to stand the test of the cross. Because the pains of fasting can never be compared to the pains of the cross. So just imagine that Jesus has gone for the stone. It will have led to, it, it will have led to complete death, complete condemnation. Because mark these words, he himself was not sure that he was going to survive the cross. Don't forget, at the point in his prayer life, what did he say? He said, Father, it would just be my earnest desire if this cup can do what? Can pass over me. Because he wasn't so sure. He was human, just like me and you. That's why I said, life presents you two kinds of bread. One is the bread of life, and the other one is the stone of death. The bread of life always yield into eternal life. And the stone of, of death brings frustration and condemnation. Frustration does not mean the absence of tools or materials that can ignite success. Frustration does not mean that you are not educated. 
Frustration does not mean that you don't have a BSc or you don't have a master's. One of the public service jobs that clearly defines frustration in this country is a police officer. Sorry if you're one in this place. Or maybe your dad or your mom is one. No matter what you do to a police officer, he's still frustrated. Because the system does not favor them. If you think I'm joking, take a trip down to Yagonko and look at their barracks. Many of the times, even their children don't think of a better future than becoming a police officer. Statistics has proven that many of the young folks that step into robbery, that step into fraud, more than likely, a good percentage of them are children of either military or police or uniform officers. Because why? The father is coming to the house frustrated, no money, nothing. The child has to survive. So frustration does not mean that you don't even have a job. You more than likely have a job. Frustration does not mean that you're not beautiful among your peers. Frustration does not mean that you are not intelligent. You are intelligent. So frustration is not the absence of tools or the materials for success. But frustration is when you are prevented from being successful. Follow me closely. Frustration is when you are what? When you are prevented from being successful. Frustration is when you are unable to change the story. Or when you are unable to achieve anything. I remember at some point in my life that I used to feel frustrated. You know I love to share my story. You know what it is to have a job, but you can't explain how your salary goes. It brings about frustration. And the annoying part is when everybody now looks at you that you're blessed. But you're living out a life that is cost. I know I'm talking to somebody. You wear beautiful clothes, come to church, everybody's like, ah, big daddy. But in your mind, you are little. In your mind, you are small. They want to make people the chairman, everybody is coming to your direction. If only they can know that you don't look anything close to it. Frustration naturally will limit the possibility of a man. It will limit the possibility of your dreams. It limits the possibility of your earnest desire. So in your mind, you have what you want to achieve, but you can't achieve it. Not that you don't have the tools. I was telling somebody recently, I said now before I take a trip to Lagos, I have to think twice. If you know what I'm talking about, you understand. It's easier to go to Abekuta than to go to Lagos now. I'm telling you the truth. It's easier to go to Bini. In fact, if me and you take a trip from Ibadan to Bini and Lagos, I'll get to Bini, pack, call you. I'll lodge in the hotel. You'll still be on your way to Lagos. I know what I'm talking about. If you think I'm joking, after service, take a trip. I'm sure anything from 10 p.m., you'll call us that you have arrived. To not make it worse, if your destination is Highland, you'll call me by 2 a.m. and say, Pastor, I'm just entering the house. Not that you don't have a car. Not that the road is not good. The road is good. You know the most annoying thing on Nigerian road is when you get to the front trying to figure out what caused the traffic. 
and you can't find it. Very annoying. Say, okay, all of us are standstill. Somebody still called me during the week. He said it, it took him six hours to get to Lagos. That is from Nigeria to London by flight. I'm telling you the truth. That means by the time you take off in Ibado and I take off at the airport, I will get to London, check out of the airport. You are still on the express. You know how frustrated that can be? Then the annoying part, if your car is, I think uh, when I went for the experience, uh, there was this comedian that talked about different kinds of cars. He talked about Tokumbo and Nigerian Tokumbo. How many of you have heard that before? There's Nigerian Tokumbo. Once, and I think they said it has grade. Once the Nigerian uses the car in a very bad state and sells it to you as second hand. So you know what it is when you're inside traffic and your car begins to overheat. And not just overeating, your gasket gets burnt. Then just have, let's even say the gasket didn't even go, but the airport tried to patch your car, patch your car, patch your car, patch your car, and all of a sudden you just got to one point, your tire went flat. You change tire again. This extra tire too went flat. Okay, you can't come back to Ibadan easily. You just leave the car there. Very frustrating. So you are likely to have the tools. But the result is not complementing the tools that you have. I've heard stories, true life stories, of doctors that have equipment to treat a patient. But you hear the doctor telling the relatives of the patient, you brought this person very late. They have the tools. But they just tell you that the timing, the timing, the timing. So in my research about frustration, I realized that frustration works with timing. When you find a 40-year-old lady or 45-year-old lady going to the mountain every day, or guys, she's not looking for a job, she's looking for her husband. Because she's looking at her age and what science says about her age. She knows once she hits 50, she's done. I don't know if this has stopped in church. But growing up in a teenage department, I realized that 90% of the brothers and sisters that are always coming for Riaza, Riaza is 6, they are there by 4. Service is 9, they are there by 6. I realized that they are seeking for admission. Trusting God for admission into school. So they serve God with every passion. They do everything. In fact, they are the ones that fight for leadership position. I want to be the HOD. I want to be the HOD. And when they see people like us coming back from school, from holiday, they don't want to greet us. They don't want to relate with us. Why? Because they are, they are ashamed of themselves that this guy left us in January, came back in August. We are still here. Then they start asking questions. What's the name of your school? How much is your school fees? Is there off-campus and on-campus? Okay, go and buy the form. I used to feel for them. Because in my expectation, those days I go to church, I used to ask my sister, when she, I, I, I let my sister go to church for that Sunday, then I would go the following Sunday. So when she comes back on my ask, I was like, I was church, I was like, church is fine. I'm like, that guy is still leading worship. Say yes. That guy is still the head usher. Yes. That guy is still the protocol. Yes. Because in my mind, I don't want to still see you in that state. 
So I avoid people like that. I don't drag positions with them. That's the mistake some of you make. You try to drag position with somebody who is already frustrated. You end up getting frustrated too. So being in a constant state of frustration will always birth the arrivals of problems. So the reason why you're always having problems with people is not because they can't reason with you. It's because they're frustrated. Because they are looking at you that you don't even have the tools we have, but you are getting a better result than I that has the tools. I'm very certain about what I'm talking about. Very certain. A frustrated man welcomes many more problems. The first problem he has is that he's trying to succeed. He can't succeed. Now he's frustrated. That's the income of much more problems. Why? Because it's so much on him. He begins to condemn even the tools that he has. Frustration is unrealistic argument with success tools and you are still failing. Follow me closely. A frustrated man is always found in the estate of failure and disappointment. May you not be frustrated. May you not be frustrated. A frustrated man. You will always find him in the estate of failure and disappointment. He starts condemning the tools he has. He condemns his credibility. He condemns his consciousness. He condemns his ability. Condemnation on his own part is simply an evil sentence. It's a strong disapproval and negative judgment. That's why the scripture talks about how the devil tries to condemn us before the father. He tries to give a negative judgment about you. Note this now. Man steps into the realms of condemnation when his words contradict his works. When your words begin to contradict your works, you have gradually stepped into the realm of condemnation. Man steps into the realms of condemnation when his word, his word is fighting his identity. Because in literal terms, according to scripture, your identity is supposed to give you a word of your own. Now your word is fighting your identity. Your environment is fighting who you are. Your prayer point is antagonizing you. That's the height of life. Your faith does not look like faith. Your testimony becomes fake. So you find people like that forging testimony. Forging testimony. Because literally if you squeeze them, that how did God do this thing for you? They can't explain it. Why? Because they know that they fabricated those things by themselves. How did the Lord bless you with this job? You know you did not get that job by interview. You had to go sleep with someone. But just because you want to be counted among those that will testify... 
you say it's the Lord's doing. It can see there's a difference between it's the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our sight. In within you, you know it's not marvelous. So when your world begins to fight your identity, your fellow Christians, your fellow believers begin to condemn your works, condemn your engagement. You stepped into the realm of condemnation. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 to 9. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 to 9. I want us to read that, 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 that portion of the scripture. It says, every word of God is flawless. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Verse 6. Don't hurt to his words. I will rebuke you. So don't say what God did not do. He will rebuke you and prove you are a liar. Verse 6, verse 7, verse 7. Two things I ask of you, O Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Two things I ask of you, O Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Verse 8. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. May you not have to forge your testimony. I'm praying that prayer earnestly from my heart. May you not have to forge your testimony. May you not have to lie about what God did not do. It says, give falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Verse 9. Verse 9. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal. And by doing so, I dishonor the name of my God. Who is the Lord is not a question. According to that scripture, it does not even portray the ignorance of who the Lord is, but a clear indication, a clear intention of denying who the Lord is. That's why the Bible says only a fool says there is no God, because a fool knows there is God, but he does not want to admit that there is God. When I was doing my research, I realized that there is something they call leading question. A leading question, because we have almost about 12 to 15 kinds of questions. We have closed questions, open questions, uh, we have uh, structuring questions, we have comparison, we have evaluation, stuff like that. But who is the Lord is a leading question. A leading question will always lead to an argument. That's why today I've come to teach about what I've tied to no more argument. Somebody say no more argument. Somebody say no more argument. A leading question often escalates a simple question into a full-blown argument. So there is a matter at hand. You have the tools, I have the tools. But now there is an argument. Why? Because our words are contradicting our works. That's why Proverbs says that every word of God is flawless. Every word spoken by God is flawless. 
every actions of God is unquestionable. So if your life does not look like the scripture, we don't question the scriptures, we question your life. I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, I'm born filled with the Holy Spirit. If your life does not look like it, I don't question the Holy Spirit, I question you. I love God with all my heart, but you're not showing it. I will not question God, that God, are you partial about how people express their love to you? No, that's a stupid question. That's a question that leads to an argument. And any man that has the energy to say he wants to argue with God is signing his death warrant. Truth be told. So my teaching this morning will always, would eventually help you in your prayer life. Help you to be conscious of who you are. Help you to be conscious of how you live your life. And give you a new cultural understanding in the walls of the church. So you don't question the hacks of God. And according to scripture, you see that perfection only belongs to God, not to man. In as much as the Bible says God wants us to be perfect, not that God wants us perfect. He wants you to work in that dimension where you can't be as perfect as God. So going back to that scripture again in Proverbs. The word of God is flawless. You can't blame God for his word. You can't. Somebody once asked a question and said, why can't God be so merciful? Why can't he just take care of Lucifer? Listen, can I be honest with you? This was the answer I got in that meeting. If God eliminates Lucifer, another Lucifer will rise up. What brought the devil down was pride. You are not even a devil yet. You can't even take an account of the pride that is inside of you. A pastor once said, and this is true, every human being has an epitome of pride. Take it from me. Every human being. Every human being. How do I know this? You wore a new dress to church. And something tells you that that guy is looking at the dress you wore. So somebody don't just care about you. I used, to, I used to act like that sometimes. Until the day somebody humbled me. I'm telling you the truth. I used to feel like I'm always the tallest in the room until I saw a taller person. And some of you are here, you think you are the most beautiful until you see somebody that is better than you. So I'm, I'm, the, I'm the most beautiful. You know what happens to people that think they are the most beautiful and find someone more beautiful? They are trying to form attache. They want to, they want to become the person's friend. Can I have your number? It's a lie. You don't need the number. What's your Instagram handle? I'd like to follow you. Follow me too. Listen, he's not following to hard followers. He's following so that he can see something on your page that can support his argument that he, she is more beautiful. So maybe she's looking out for one picture that you took that does not make sense. Hey, hey! Go find no. I know what I'm saying. I 
I heard a story of one brother. Has a very good car. Got to the church. Got back home. Told the wife, I said, I'm selling the car. The wife said, why? He said, I can't imagine that small boy using a better car than me. Ah, no. I will not get to that level. I will not get to that level. Sell my car because you brought the better car. Oh, no. In fact, I'll be parking my car beside your car so that I'll be tapping the anointing for the grace to get a better car. Telling you the truth. Every human being has the epitome of pride. Now, you know the worst and the irony of life is that when God now blesses with tools to augment your success, the pride begins to grow. It begins to grow. The height of pride breeds the abuse of power. When God just started using you, you like sitting at the back. You hug people. You shake people's hand. Before coming to the stage, you sit down on the chair. You pray. You bow your head. You do everything. But now you have a 5,000 congregation. Everybody falls when you pass. Then you start walking into the auditorium with style. I've made a decision with myself. That there is no height God takes me to. I will always bring myself down. That's what pride does. Pride tells you you are the most anointed. That's what he told the devil. So Joshua is saying, ah, God, if truly God is perfect, if truly God is blameless, he should have just taken care of Lucifer so that all of us can enjoy the world. Okay? It was better that he kept Lucifer because imagine all of us acting as Lucifer, then this life will not contain us. Because even the Bible already tells us. It says the only reason why you are lying is because you are from your father, the devil, the what? The liar. So just in case you are a PhD older in line in this place, God is not your father. The devil is your father. Not just your father, your grandfather. Not just your grandfather, your great-grandfather. Not your, is your heritage. Line comes from, it flows easily. You know what I realized about line? I, in fact, let, let, me, let me say this. If you ever hear somebody say, I used to lie, he's a liar. That's the truth. Say, I used to lie in those days. You are a liar. You are a liar. I think it's law that tells you that you can use lie to defend yourself. Lie is lie. Lie is lie. May God deliver you from the spirit of lying. Ah, if your amen can be loud and clear, your heritage will say, God will deliver you from the spirit of lying. Okay, you can tell the liars. James chapter 3 verse 17. James 3 verse 17. James chapter 3 verse 17. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Another word for wisdom is God's word or the word of God that comes from heaven, that comes from God, is first of all pure, then peace-loving, 
is considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So note this down. God's word is first pure and full of truth. The word of God is what? Is first of all pure and full of truth. Number two, God's word gives you peace in the midst of the storm. God's word does what? It gives you peace. You see what it says? He said, the God's, let's just keep that scripture there. It says, God's word is peace, love it. It gives you peace in the midst of the storm. The best time that you would appreciate the value of peace is in the midst of storm. If everything is going on well with you, life is going on a steady rocky, like you're feeling good, you're feeling fine, listen, you will not appreciate the power and the presence of God. That's why sometimes he allows storm to bring you back to his presence. So I remember praying at one time. I was just praying. I was like, God, why am I going through this? I'm serving you. Things are going fine. Why did, why did this accident happen all of a sudden? Then I went to church, my church in Houston, and that was exactly what my pastor was preaching about. He says, challenges is not to make you feel that God has left you, but it's to bring you back to God. So storm is not just that, ah, I must have offended. Listen, when you see a man going through the storms of life, don't think he has done something wrong. It's just to keep him in check. It's to keep him in check. It's to keep him in check. God's word is very considerate of your current status. Are you listening to what I'm saying? God's word is what? Very considerate. You see that in the scripture. So God knows that you are into all kinds of immorality. There is a way his word will minister to you. He will not take you to the level of somebody who is already a prophet. It's very considerate of your current status. That was why when the disciples asked him, teach us to pray, he gave them the Lord's Prayer. But if you follow through to the book of Acts, when it was time for Paul to pray, Paul prayed as led by the Spirit. So you see growth there. That was why Paul was able to boast among the disciples that, oh God, see you, you guys had one-on-one -on -one meeting with Jesus Christ and you still didn't get the memo. But back God came down to fellowship with me. And that was the case of Paul. I think another person that had almost as close encounter to Paul was John. Was John. So God's word is very considerate of your status and your level. And it provides tools for your growth and better development. It provides tools for your growth and better development. Another thing here is that God's word is full of mercy. And it's the best fruit for a good life. His word is full of mercy. His words are not full of condemnation. God's word does not condemn you. God's word does not ridicule you. God's word is super nice. Full of mercy. Lastly, God's word is not tribalistic. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. It's not tribalistic. The same words to the Jews, the same words to the Gentiles. The same words he speaks to the Ghanaian, the same words he speaks, he speaks to the Nigerian. I think it's only church that makes God's word look so partial. 
Oh, in this church, you can cover your hair. Oh, in this church, you can't cover your hair. You know, the annoying part is when people give conditions to certain doctrines. That, oh, I know the reason why God is not in your prayer is because when you are praying, you didn't cover your hair. That's not true. That's not true. Oh, I know the reason why God did not answer your prayer. When you are praying, you are drinking Fanta. You have to respect God. Put the Fanta. Oh, God, it's not true. Let God be the one to tell you to drop the Fanta, not man. Not man. God detects the atmosphere of your worship and your prayer. It's not man. So his words are not tribalistic. They are not partial. In fact, I had to put it here. God's word is sincerely sincere to what he says to you. God's word is what? is sincerely sincere to what he says to you. So if God says, I love you, there is no condition attached to it. There is no condition. It's not saying to you that, oh, I love you when you come to church. No. It loves you. Someone say, God loves me. Oh, beat your chest three times. Say, God loves me. Finding your balance and evaluating yourself at the entrance of God's word is a better approach to enjoying the best of life. Finding your balance, evaluating yourself around God's word. That's the best approach to enjoying the best of God. But striking out the value deeds of God's word, striking out the importance of his words, Telling yourself that I really don't need this part of God's word. Have you met people that, 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 that skip scriptures? Say, oh, no, no, this part is not for me. Read verse 4. Mm, no, no, no. It's not me he's talking to. Go to verse 6. <laughs> That's for me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want everybody's excited. Surely goodness and majesty shall follow me. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That part, people skip it. Why? Because it looks like, no, there's a condition here. Striking out the importance. Telling yourself, I don't need this part. It's a forceful trip to attacks, calamity, and unexplainable disaster. So that's a good place to tell you that you brought about the calamity upon yourself because you were striking out the importance of certain portion of God's word that was administered to you. God said, I need your life. You gave him kidney. That's why the calamity came. God said, I need your time. You're very dictative about it. That's why the calamity came. I can show you in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. Let's read verse, verse 23. Proverbs 1. Maybe somebody is just like, no, that cannot be true. I will, just because I took verse 4 out and I stick to verse 5. Okay, I'll show you. Proverbs chapter 1. We're going from 23 to 27. If you have responded to my rebuke, this was God speaking. I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thought known to you. If you have responded to my rebuke, because, see, listen, rebuke is not a punishment, it's a checkmate. I preached that before in this art. It's not a punishment, it's a checkmate. When your mother or your father rebukes you, they don't, they don't, they, does it change your son name? Let me get a response. If your father or your mother rebukes you, does it change your son name? Maybe some of you are here, your, your prayers are touche. See, 
my own parents have threatened me with anything. Uh, I don't know if there's an English word, threatenable. You know the annoying part when your mother looks at you and say, uh, there's this Yoruba word. Let me remember. Holy Spirit, help me. Ah, ah. It's a Yoruba word. If you don't understand, just ask your neighbor. Ah, they say they call it a Ashigbe word. Ah. I, uh, say Lala. Ashigbe on my word. My mom looked at me one day and said, I picked the wrong child. It was not you. What did I do? Break plates. Come home late. Okay, okay, if I not sleep outside in car, I not come home. Then that means God sent the wrong child. Sometimes my father will look at me and he will flog me, flog me, flog me. He say, "From this day, I disown you." The same person will say, "Yeah, go fetch water for me." You, the person you disown does not fetch water for you. So rebuke is not a punishment. It's a checkmate. He says, I would have poured my heart to you. If you had acting to my rebuke, if you had acting to the instructions I gave to you, I would have told you my heart. I would have told you my thought. Now, verse 24. Verse 24. Let's see that. So he said, But since you rejected me when I called you, so he calls. Are you listening to me this morning? He calls. Even in that club, he's calling you. In that beer parlor, he's calling you. While the guy is on top of you, he's calling you. While you're on top of the guy, he's calling you. While you are stealing money, he's calling you. But you know the amazing thing? He does not call you by the act. He calls you by what you are designed. So just in case you are on top of the guy, he's not calling you prostitute. He's calling you my beloved daughter. But you will never hear. You will never hear. Sit down. One of the people that I fear the most in this life. Can I preach this morning? Can I preach? One of the people I fear the most in my life is church girls. Some people are laughing. Some guys know what I'm about to say now. I fear church girls. I'll tell you why. When their emotions is doing them like a labuku, they will not talk. When the hot spot of immorality is hovering over their head, they don't talk. It's after the deed has been done. I say, ah, Brazakios. What did we just do? No. <laughs> That's not what I came here for. I feel like God is not happy with us. But it was happy before it happened. You know, the annoying one is when they not give conditions after the thing has happened. Say, now I need to go back and pray so that God will have mercy on me. Before you came, you didn't pray? Then church guys are the worst. Because I came for you this morning. They're the worst. Once they've chopped what they want to chop, he remembers when he was sending you kind of messages. I've done that before. Sending kind of messages. But when you have done what you want to do and your eyes is open, you're like, ah, so there's really nothing in this thing. 
You now start sending scriptural verses. To let no, you know, there are some scriptural verses that make both that makes both parties feel repentant. You now make the girl look like the Jezebel. That's great things are spoken of me. Then the girl is now feeling bad that wow, I'm sorry, I, I made you fall. No, we both fell. I'm talking to somebody here this morning. Because that's the way you've always been winning those things. You'll be sending the girl John 4, the, 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 Uzziah 1 verse. Then the girl too will not be having pity on you. You, 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 you have killed my prophetic grace. Oh, guy, you did not have a prophetic grace before. Because if you had one, you would not have done what you did. Don't make me, don't make me spoil your game. In fact, I'm here to spoil your game. He said, but since you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hands. Verse 25. Verse 25. Since you ignored all my advices, oh God, don't go to that sister's house at night. Sister, stop going and collecting charges at 10 p.m. Nepa is enough evil. Say, hey, Pastor, I went because Nepa used to bring the light at 2 a.m. Buy your own charger. Buy your own generator. Buy, God bless you. Buy your own power bank. Buy your TV. When did you start watching England, Portugal? That you went to his house. You don't watch soccer on a normal day. When did you start? See, I just have passion for World Cup. You ignored all my advices. Your mom will tell you, don't go, don't go, don't go. Pitons is telling you now, don't go, don't go. But you will not accept. You will not accept. Now, 26, 26, 26. See what it says. I, in turn, this is God, I will laugh at your disaster. Let me say it in a lame Nigerian. I will laugh at your belly. That's what it is. Did I say it? It's in the Bible. I will laugh at your disaster. I will mock you when calamity overtakes you. Maybe you are arguing advice. You are arguing scriptures. Say, let's, 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 let's be factual. Let's be factual. I, I want to tell you what some guy says. Let's be factual. Let's be factual. It says marriage bed on the foul. He's really not talking to us. We are in the era of grace. At least I'm not the first person that has taught you. So let me just do my own. And Okay. May you not touch something that will put you in trouble. I'm praying for that guy now. May you not touch something that will put you in trouble. And I'm praying for that girl now. May you not receive something that will put you in trouble. Because you are collecting the recharge card now. You will soon answer the call. I 
A guy that is doing subscription from your data will survey your destiny soon. Because it's, it's easy to collect. Let me help some ladies here. Only a man that truly fears God gives out things for free. Most guys are not that nice. They are not that nice. I'm telling you the honest truth. He can give from January. He's just waiting till December 31st. He's, that's what he's waiting for. Or he's just waiting for your birthday. He's waiting for the day you graduate. No challenge. He knows how to take it back. He knows. He says, I will in turn laugh at your disaster when you are running from pillar to post. Pastor, I don't know what I've done to you. He's not picking my call again. Okay. Pastor, all of a sudden, he said his mom has called him to Lokoja. His phone is not going to. You will go to Lokoja. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. So when you begin to strike out the importance of God's word, the value deeds of God's word, that's what you're bringing to yourself, disaster and calamity. You're telling yourself, I don't need God. I got this by myself. Forgetting that what God wants to establish or what God wants to give a man is his words in the spirit of a man. God wants to give you his word in your spirit. God wants to establish his truth in your heart. That's why he's calling you. That's why he's telling you to stop arguing. No, it can't, it, it, it can't be me. It can't be me God is talking to. I've not grown to that level. He wants to establish his truth. His truth, rather, in the hearts of men. His words automatically is his burden. Arguing with God's burden naturally brings torment. Arguing with God's burden actually brings torment. Let's see Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 to 30. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Are you getting something this morning? Are you getting something this morning? Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Let's see that. It says, come unto me, all of you who are weary and burdened. All of you who are frustrated. All of you who are tired. All of you who are condemned. Now he's disregarding your frustration. What does he say? He says, I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Pastor Chris will always say that everything you need to sojourn and be successful in life can be found in the Holy Scriptures. Everything. You need success, you need success tips, you need tools for, 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 for business. For marriage, as a matter of fact, one of the things I learned in Christ's embassy is that, it, it, see, what you need for a successful marriage is not a marriage counselor. You need the Holy Scriptures. There's nothing you're looking for, you find it there. You want to start a business, you find it there. You need a business name, you'll find it in the Scripture. Oh, I'm confused. I don't know who is the right guy to pick. You will know in the Scripture. 
oh, I don't know which country to go to. You will know in the scriptures. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. I know I will not force it. And you will find rest for your soul. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. You think you're frustrated? God's frustration is light. That's what he's saying. He says, my body is light. My yoke is easy. My rebuke will not take life out of you. Is that disaster that will not take life out of you? Argument of God's word is beyond the wrongful exchange of words. But intentionally eliminating God's word or suspending God's word for the opinions of men. I run away from people who govern their lives by the opinions of men. What does a man know? What can a man tell you to fulfill destiny? What? Man keeps tweeting that life is frustrating. Man keeps posting that there are too many troubles in life. But God is saying to man, come to me, you that frustrated man. You that frustrated woman. Let's exchange bodies. Let's exchange. Let's exchange. You're concerned how you'll be successful in life. Okay, let's exchange. Leave me to deal with how you're going to be successful. I just want you to keep my words. Give me your tools and take my tools. That's what he's saying. The biggest tools of a man that is trying to succeed is worries. Hear me loud and clear. The biggest tool of a man that is trying to succeed is what? Is worries. And now he's saying... Give me worries, I give you praise. Give me worries. Anytime you see a woman that is trusting God for the food of the womb or a barren woman, you can't be expecting her playing Ludo or playing steak and ladder when they're already coming to her house to tell her that we are about to marry the second wife for your husband. So you think she'll sit down there and play Ludo. In fact, from that day, her food will not taste good. I'm telling you true fact. From that day, she's confused. From that day, she just feels like her tummy should just go big. But look at what the scripture says about a barren woman. It's not, it's, it's, it's not telling her to worry. It's not telling her to worry. It says, rejoice, oh you barren. Rejoice. Bust into songs. Bust into laughter. Give a praise dance. Celebrate the maker of your life. That's what he's saying to a barren person. So he's saying, exchange, give me that worry. You want to start a business, it does not look like the thing is working fine. Is it? Give me your worries. I'll give you the template. If everyone in this place, under the sound of my voice, can get this message right, you can start your 2023 on a very good note. What are you worrying about? What are you worrying about? What is that word that he has spoken to in your spirit that you're arguing about? You know what I've, you know what I've realized about we Christians in church? Can, can, I, can I talk? 
You know what I realized about we Christians in church? When we are going through certain challenges in life, and we are expecting God to speak to us, we are expecting him to give us something huge. For example, maybe you lost your car, you lost your house, and all of that stuff. Then you're not going to meet a prophet to pray for you. And the prophet now says, oh, I prayed about it. God said, praise me. No, that's not what I want to hear. God said, praise me for three days. No, okay? That's not what I want to hear. What I want to hear is, Tokwe was the one that made me lose my car. Soji was the one that made me lose my house. My mother is the witch that made me lose my child. That's what I want to hear. So that once I leave your place, I can deal with them. I'm telling you, that's what Christians want to hear. They want to always hear that somebody's behind their problem. They don't believe that some things are natural. They don't believe that God is testing you. They don't believe that that's how you go to your destiny. Say, no, 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 no. You know what they do? They leave the prophet. They go to Anabali and say, Baba, check it. And the Baba now tell you, say, give us the names of all your friends. You now give all the names. A Baba that is Yoruba will not pick Igbo. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Yeah, and more than likely, the name that the Baba will give you, is either the first name, the last name, or the middle. Because that's what you want to hear. That your mother is the one behind your challenges. That your father is the one that has offended somebody. That's what you want. That's what we Christians want to hear. Even the disciples found it hard to believe that God had ordained that Jesus would die on the cross. What did they do? Everywhere they were going to, they were going with pocket knives. Say, whoever wants to kill you will kill that person. Forgetting that if this man has not gone to the cross, salvation will not come to the earth. So if God has not taken that job from you, you will not know that you can be a CEO by yourself. I'm telling you the honest truth. If you have not made me to resign my job, I don't think I'll have met you all. I don't think so. And just like what somebody asked me recently, somebody said, how do you feel being a pastor? I said, I'm enjoying my life. I'm telling you. Some of you might need to come and collect this microphone. This is the sweetest job ever. Whatever I say is what you believe. Like Bishop Oedepo said, he said the best part of Christian service is Sunday service. He said because whatever you say, they can't ask a question. They can't say, no, pastor. Who dares raise up his hand during Sunday service? Say, pastor, I have a question. You can't do it. So I told the person, I said, I'm enjoying my life. I feel, I feel at peace. If you are doing a job currently and you are not feeling at peace, then I doubt if that's what God wants you to do. I'm not saying he wants every one of us to come into ministry, but there is something that has been designed for you. Something has been designed for you. The works of your hands are supposed to be blessed, not cursed. So you're arguing. My yoke is easy. And my burden is what? My burden is light. Why are you carrying every stuff on your head? Divine tools will always guarantee rest. Divine tools will always guarantee victory. Divine tools will always guarantee blessings and prosperity. Arguing an instruction that combats destruction shows the height of your frustration. Arguing an instruction that will combat your destruction is the height of frustration. 
If only every man knows that God's word has enough capacity to knock down every walls of failure. So engagement with spiritual tools or spiritual truth makes earthly circumstances become non-existence. So stop the argument about life. Stop the argument about scripture. I met somebody several years ago, not, not too much, maybe like three, four years ago, and he requested that I pray for him. And while I was praying, I felt a scripture in my spirit, so I gave the person the scripture. And the person said, no, that cannot be for me. I said, why do you say that? He said, because they keep saying this stuff, but I don't see myself doing it. I said, but that's what I feel in my spirit. He said, no. I want something like me and honey. That's pro- you know, most Christians just like that term, prosperity. They like that term, prosperity. They think it comes so easy. Recently, one of, one of my covenant brothers posted. He said, the roadmap. The GPS to prosperity is consistent sacrifice. Somebody might need to take that home. The pathway to prosperity is what? Consistent sacrifice. It's not something you just do once and it comes to you, bam. Bishop David Oedipo said, I can never be broke in my life. He said, why? He said, because God will never have to remind me of my tithe. Some of you, let me not, let me not talk. Not just tight. Giving to the Lord. In its actual sense, God has to remind you. God has to remind some people of their Bible. So no more argument. Give me this day my daily bread. I don't want tomorrow's bread. Give me this day, today's bread. I don't want yesterday's bread. I'm not trying to hug you or think or phantom about what tomorrow looks like. Let's, let's just sojourn today. What's that word for me today? Give me this day my winning too. Give me something to win today. Give me this day my required test and my required rest. Just like somebody praying and say, God, whatever I to take from this point, I want to be successful. Listen. If God shows you the test that will lead you to your prosperity at this age, some of you will pass out. I'm telling the honest truth. Some of you will pass out. Every man wants the power, but only few men wants to go through the fire. Did you hear what Jesus said? Every man wants the power. Only few men want to go through The fire. Give me this day my victory card. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. Let's see what it says. It says, and we also thank God continually. Because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the words of men, but at it is exactly the word of God, which is at work in you. Listen, if God's word is not at work in you, it means you have not believed it. Did you hear what I just said? 
if God's word is not at work in your life, you've not believed it. I said to you several times, that was one of the biggest revelations the Lord gave us last year as a church. That for you to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means you are not a dog, you are a sheep. But dogs are clamoring for what shepherd gives to sheep. So, I'm excited for you. That God's word that is being given to you, you believed it. Because when you believe it, you run with it. That shows that you're not arguing scriptures. That shows you're not arguing what God is saying to you per time. Because over the years as a church boy and studying scripture, I've realized that God's word does not make sense, but it's the way out. Take that from me. God's word does not do what? It does not make sense, but that's the way out. That's the way out. When God tells a man, sell your property, and you'll be prosperous. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? There is everything about this brother that portrays him as your potential husband. But God says, wait. And the brother is ready to pay your bride price. Oh, you want a very big wedding. He's ready to do it. Oh, you want your honeymoon in Dubai. He's ready to do it. In fact, he has gotten your papers. He has gotten your passport. Gotten your visa. But God is saying, wait. Can I be honest with you? Let me just tell you for free, for free. Any other pastor can decide to sugarcoat it. Once God tells you wait, that means that current thing is not the way out. That's the truth. If you are praying about a brother and he says wait, he's more than likely not that brother. If he eventually becomes that brother, not because it could not have been him at the early stage, it's because there was something about him God needed to fix before it could happen. So sometimes wait might look like a long time. It's not long. It's not long. God is not a God of injustice. He's the God of justice. If he says wait, he says wait. Just like somebody is here. Say, Pastor, I can't wait to travel out. I can't wait to jack out. I can't wait to leave this country. I'm tired. I doubt if Nigeria will survive 2023. And God is saying, wait. God is saying, Wait. Oh, Pastor, I really want to go and do my master's. I want to go and do my I'm going to say, wait. I'm not saying those stuff are not good. But he has a reason for saying, wait. You can't question his acts and his words. Did you hear me this morning? You can't question his acts. You know, I've, I've met somebody on a job, and the person was like, Pastor, I just need to give me a word of prophecy. I want you to strengthen me in the place of prayer. I really want to leave this job. It's not for me. And God is telling you, Wait. Many of the times, weight is protection. It's protecting you from something. Sometimes weight is fortification. It's fortifying you. It's fortifying you. It's not everybody that will have the Davis experience. Are you listening to me? It's not everybody that will have the Davis experience. Hey, I'm fortified. I just pick five stones. I'm going to. Some Goliaths will bring you down. I'm talking to somebody here. So I want to go and face the altar of my father's house. Oh God, the altar would disgrace. I was listening to a, a, a great man of God, Apostle Solomon. He said, he, he, he said, may you not go and meet an altar and the altar look at you and say, you don't know your meat. I got, I got so intoxicated with that sermon. 
So that's the reason why altar is messing some people up. You just give your life to Christ on Thursday. You want to go and approach altar on Friday. You must be dead. That's the stupid thing some people do. Say, ha, ah, I enjoy service in THN Church today. I got the gift of speaking in tongues. Then you now take a trip to Jebubo. You say, Grandma, come out. Uncle, come out. Grandpa, come out. I want to destroy this altar. Oh, God, the altar will finish you. Altar that your grandfather for 70 something years will be passing and say, Oluwamio. Oluwamio. Then you, you now say, You altar. I gave my life to Christ yesterday. He that lives in me is greater. You know when he that lives in you, you say, Woo. He that lives in you, he that lives in you, say, Woo. What do you know? What do you know? Say, Pastor, that altar has been frustrating us for 30 something years. Everybody in my household, yeah, but. You know, when you hear a man of God advise some people and say, Whatever God is doing with you, keep it, don't expose it. It's because you've not grown yet. Are you listening to what I'm trying to say? It's because God has not perfected some things yet. He's still cooking it. That's a very popular comedian. I stumbled on his Instagram page last week. And he said, this, he said the Lord uh, gave him a, a word for a lady. Uh, I, I, I want to believe that because of the, way, the, the, the passion at which he was used to talking. He said, the message for that lady is that you've been trusting God for marriage. Finally, the marriage is done. You're about to do it. And you are contemplating whether to send IV or post it. He said, God, don't post it. Don't share. Don't invite. Low key. In fact, he said, you are contemplating, should I post my pre-wedding? Okay, turn it to post-wedding. After you've done it. After you've done it. You, 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 you see, you, you have to understand some things. You think David just approached Goliath like that? You think he just went to Goliath straight up like that? No. No. He was tested with a lion. He was tested with a bear. Your own is just cockroach. Have you seen ladies that try to kill cockroach with speaking in tongues? Oh, you've, may you not encounter them. They're trying to say, in the name of Jesus. Just cockroach. You now want to go and face your grandmother that is a witch for 37 years. Say, Grandma, I came to you today in the name of the Lord. Oh, God, they'll flog you. I, I, I know what I'm telling you. Before I started deliverance, I had to study a lot of things. I had to study a lot of things. If anybody has studied me enough, I'm, I'm wet. Holy Spirit, just help me from what I'm about to say. If you study me enough, most times when I have deliverance session with people, I keep a distance of them. I keep a distance of them. Because at the tendency, something about you tells you that you're the deliverer. And the moment you start seeing yourself as the deliverer, you'll be possessed. The moment you start seeing that, I was the one that delivered you. Ah, okay. You're possessed. So I keep a distance. Because those people too, it's not their fault. They come and meet us. You know, there was one that came to meet me after service one time. He said, Pastor, when you laid hands on me and I fear, what did you see come out? I did not see anything. What were you expecting me to see? And I should not lie. Oh, I saw 37 demons from your father's side. They came, one left to Sabo, 
The other one went to challenge. One is waiting for you at Orita. Don't pass Orita. I did not see anything. I did not. So I'm excited for you that the words you've heard, you believe them. And they are working for you. I want to close with this scripture. Matthew 12 verse 37. Matthew 12 verse 37. Oh, sorry, Isaiah 40, 6 to 8. Isaiah 40, Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, 6 to 8. I want to skip that one. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 to 8. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. Verse 7. The grass withers. The flowers fall. Another translation says the flower fails. Because the bread, of the, the bread of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. Verse 8. Verse 8. Amazing scripture. Let's read all out together. Let's read together. One to go. Uh-huh. But what happens? God's word stands forever. How will you argue something that stands forever? Something that is ancient. Before you were born, the word existed. After you exist this life, you exceed this life, the word still exists. When you're down, the word is existing. When you're up, the word is existing. When you're nobody, the word is existing. When we talk about Labi Sangwon Song Yoruba, he said, We cannot explain who crowned you God because we are not there. We can't explain. We can still talk about the prophets. I knew when Samson was born. I knew when Paul was born. I knew when Peter, I knew when John the Baptist was born. In fact, I knew when Jesus was born. There were stories, there were accounts. A great man of God, Dr. Heber Damina said, he says, in the beginning, God created. I mean, I've heard that someone. God created the heavens and the earth. Where was God before the heaven and the earth? So that's the person you want to argue with. That God, no, 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 no. Great things are spoken of me. That instruction you gave me is too small for me. I want bigger instruction. You want to argue with somebody who created you? Somebody say, no more arguments. Oh, say, no more arguments. The value placed on God's word determines the virtue that is extended to you. So today I bring this to a close. Come out of that jinx. Stop the argument and stop the doubts. Embrace the logos. The scripturally written word. Embrace them. And engage with Rema what God has said to you. That's the difference. Logo is what is written. Rema is what it says from what is written. There is always an instruction to you. Stop arguing it. Especially those who argue the prophecies over their life. Stop arguing. Say, God needs to understand that I need to get married. God needs to understand that I need to have some degree. God needs to understand that I need to have my child. God needs to understand. I really love God. But the things that are going wrong, no, 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 no. God should understand. God should give me time. There is enough time in the grave. Nobody will disturb you. Enough time in the grave. Nobody will disturb you. But while you are here, it will keep frustrating you with his body. 
till you stop your argument. Stop arguing it. Try those that have kids here, those that have children, or those that have spouse. You, you, you know what annoys me in life? When you ask your husband, why don't you want to do what God is saying? He says, God, my wife. You ask the wife too, why are you not doing what God has to say? It's because of my husband. I'm pitying my husband. Or I'm giving my husband time. I told somebody in this church, I said, your finances will keep going down until you do what God has asked you to do. It will keep going down. Your health will keep depleting until you do what God has asked you to do. Listen, he, know, he knows where to pinch you. He knows where to pinch. I may not pinch your kidney before you realize that you are supposed to do something. I know what I'm saying. My father is late. But how did God get him? God got him through terrible sickness. You don't want to do this thing. You do it. You do it. Some people use blindness to get them. You know fathers of faith. They were blind. I won't mention name. Some people will take that job that you are using to do TikTok, selfie. Every day you go to work, you say, TikTok, I'm at work today. He will take it from you till you do what he asks you to do. Listen, whatever he asks you to do does not mean come to church, come and be preaching. No, there are instructions he has given to you. Our instructions can never be the same. I'm doing what he has asked me to do. If he tells me otherwise tomorrow, I'll change. I've told you before. I've told you before, not that I'm speaking negative in the future. It's only God that can guarantee that I'll be the pastor of THN Church for the rest of my life. Only God. If he tells me to quit this now and do something else, I'll do it. I'm not that person that feels that I'm a pastor for life. No. If he says, quit this, hand over to somebody else, this is what I want you to do, I'll change. I'll do it. I won't argue. I won't argue. But I just want to make sure I heard loud and clear. So I won't shoot myself on the leg. Say, my son, leave now. Go back to America. You have done enough. Okay? I will drop this mic and hand over to whoever he wants me to hand over to. Whether you like the person or not, I'm gone. I'm gone. If he says, drop this mic, hand over to the keyboardist, and you start playing keyboard, we'll swap. All of you are laughing. We'll swap. We'll swap. Because what's the point holding the mic and every Sunday I'm not saying rubbish? No, imagine. Pastor that was preaching where? All of a sudden, he's not saying rubbish. Keyboard is too that was playing where? All of a sudden, too, he's not playing rubbish. Because whatever instruction he tells me, he must have told the keyboard is too. Say, your time is up. You are taking over the mic. He's telling me to, your time is up. Take over the keyboard. Then two of us are now looking at ourselves from the stage. He's saying, say. I remember the day God told me to give my camera to my church in Christ's embassy. This was a, a DSLR camera. I bought it for uh, $1,500. So I was, I was always the one taking pictures and video. That's why sometimes I look at these media guys and I'm like, what's rubbish people are doing? That was my department. So one day I was inside service recording a video and God said, this camera, give it. No, I was at home. I was preparing for service. So he said, as you get to church, go and meet the pastor, hand over this camera to the pastor that did not belong to the church. Camera that I bought with my money, that I saved. So I go to church. I was still recording. The voice kept coming. Go and meet the pastor before she come out. Give her the camera that it now belongs to the church. Do you know the truth of the matter is that they will take the camera from me. It will stop me from operating it. But it will not be registered that this camera now belongs to the church. Your pastor was for me. I bind you, Satan. That must be the voice. 
I kept using it. All of a sudden, at the moment the pastor stepped on the pulpit, the camera stopped working. I removed battery, changed battery, plugged it directly to the socket, removed lens. I felt like entering Canon office and say, fake letter for me there. I did everything. The following Monday, I went to Canon office. The guy looked at the whole thing and said, I really can't phantom what could be the challenge. You know what? You might need to return it back to the factory and probably process a new one. I said, ah, camera that was working. And he said, no, he said, this is not bad. He said, this is an internal issue. I returned that, batch, that camera back to Canon. I lied not before you. Canon returned it back to me and said they cannot fix it. If there was anything that I packed in my luggages when I was coming back to Nigeria, I packed that camera. You know what I said? I said, I will show my child that this is the report card of disobedience. Some of you are like that. You just realize that that thing stops working because he has demanded for it and you held on to it. One of my covenant brothers cracked the joke. I'm closing now. He cracked the joke. He said, why are you... Now, nah, nah, let me be honest now. I'm not saying this to somebody. I'm just telling you what my covenant brother said. Can I say it? Can I say it? Okay. Okay, so this is what he said. He said, growing up, you didn't have stretch mark, no pimples, no scratch, nothing on your face. Then God is saying, move closer, work for me. I want to use your beauty to radiate the world. Then you are hiding yourself. He said, don't question when pimples becomes your brother and your sister. He said, don't question. He said, don't question when your face does not project the beauty that you are trying to protect in the first place. And I'm saying this, I'm, I'm, I'm almost led to say this to somebody who is here who can reason. You used to be very active. All of a sudden, the energy is not there. Because the one who needs it, you're arguing with him. So embrace the logos, the written word. And engage the rema. He has spoken a word to you. Even while I was preaching, he's reminding you of certain things he has said to you. Maybe he wants you to love more. Maybe he wants you to give more. Maybe he wants you to pray more. Maybe he wants you to serve him more. Maybe he wants you to quit your job. Don't say, Pastor, says I should quit my job. He said so, not me. Just like recently, I'm not sure some of you might have seen this on social media, how a great man of God now becomes the highest recipient of almost eight honorary degrees. Why? Because God told him, tear your certificate. You know my prayer in this church, that he can tell me to tear anything, but he should just please keep that passport. He can say tear Nigerian passport. Very easy. Very easy. It's just 60K. I'll tear it. But U.S. passport, Ah. One comedian said, he said the closest passport to heaven is U.S. passport. He's the closest. Blue passport. Kenya. Ha. Ah. I'll beg him. Say, God, please. What shall I do for this cup to pass over me? Blue. Nigerian passport. I won't think twice. Listen. 
green one. Blue. I go beg. If I love, if I, you'll be shocked that pastor is saying we should come for three days praise and worship evening. We'll be praising God and begging God on my behalf that he should reverse the district. There are things he has told you. Stop this dirty life. I hear in my spirit, stop your lying. He knows why, because your lying can put you in trouble. I'll put you in trouble. The very first time I went to London, I laid flat on the airport. Even when I got to the, uh, the train side, uh, somewhere around uh, Luton or somewhere about, I laid flat on the floor. The girl, uh, the, the, the sister of mine who hosted me with the, their team, she said, ah, why are you going flat? What was it? What? Uh-uh. I said, you don't know how many times I lied about this city. Write an essay of how you spent your last holiday in London. My dad took us to the airport. You know how many Nigerians lie? I saw the queen. Which, which, which queen? We went to the queen's palace. The queen gave us chocolate. I lied about London. In fact, if my teacher was wise enough, she should know that my line has greed. We lost at my uncle's house, Grace Avenue. Abundant Grace Street, London. Because something makes you feel like the way they write streets in Nigeria here is the way they write it in London. So I was lying about address. The girl said, so that's what I said, yes. Because I lied about this city growing up. Now see as God has given me a platform to enter for free. Don't joke with God's word. Don't toil with his word. Stop arguing. Stop arguing. Stop arguing. I'm saying this to a brother now. Stop arguing. It looks like that thing is lucrative right now. He knows how to make it expire. Stop arguing. Be on your feet this morning. We believe you have been blessed by this audio podcast, and we never like to close without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you say this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart today, and I am making you the Lord of my life. Amen. Congrats. You are now a child of God. Thank you for listening and downloading Tamiwa Oluwen Podcast. We want to take over nations for Christ. Partner with us today by visiting www.heavennation.org forward slash donate. Kindly subscribe to get update of new messages and share with your friends and families. We love you and we celebrate you. Thank you.